time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Glenn Mosseller, registered financial consultant and the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting, serving you throughout the Greensboro area with an office on Mears Chapel Road. You can find us online by going to greensbororetirement.com. Glenn, you ready for another great show today? Absolutely, Walter. Let's get into it. I'm looking forward to diving into this one with you as we're talking about, have you saved more than other people who are your age? And we're tapping into some relatively recent fidelity data that has revealed the amount of typical retirement savings of Americans by different age groups. And so depending on where you are in these different brackets, you might be able to see how you're shaping up and where you fit in a little bit. Now, I do want to uh, you know, make sure everybody knows this, Glenn. This data is from the fall of 2019 that we're going to be kind of referencing on today's show. So this is pre-coronavirus pandemic stock market crash and all the craziness that's happened in our world. But I still think in general, it'll give us a good picture of where people were heading into this year (laughs) rather than, uh, you know, maybe everybody's taking a little bit of a hit in some of these different groups. And probably that would actually be interesting data, Glenn, wouldn't it, to look at the different generations and how they look now post coronavirus pandemic, or at least mid, mid-pandemic, mid depending on you know kind of where we are here, uh, that would be interesting data to see where the averages are, how big of a hit different generations took. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Walter. It, w- it would be interesting. I mean, I kind of have an inkling as to uh, the way things might be, but you know, you, you don't know until you actually see the, you know, the, the real data. So, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see uh, things coming out, uh, you know, here, uh, maybe after the second quarter or so this year and to see what they look like. Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, keep in mind the sample size is relatively small. It's just fidelity data. So we're only looking at the data of one particular company. And the data we're looking at here is the average 401k and or IRA account that's held in custody with Fidelity. So we are getting a small snapshot of the population, and it's a small snapshot of, you know, someone's entire retirement portfolio. And we'll kind of have some more thoughts on that coming up on today's show. But we're just talking about 401k and IRA total balances per person um, in Fidelity. Now, average of everybody, Glenn, was $215,000 saved in an IRA or 401k. That's all age groups, everybody combined. So, and that number strikes me as, I I guess you can't really, since it's everybody, we know it's going to have a lot of extremes, highs and lows involved in that number. So, but that actually strikes me as a pretty, pretty decent number as a whole average, at least, you know, kind of, again, not as as much context there, but you know, that could be worse. 215K as an average is pretty good. Sure. Well, I mean, obviously, Walter, you're taking into account, uh, you know, just uh, a wide swath, you know, I mean, of, of across all age groups and, you know, everything that's, that's there, you know, young and old and anything in between, right? That's right. That's right. Well, the good news is we do have the age breakdown. So we'll kind of walk through these. We'll start with the Generation Z. So these are the youngins. These are the ones younger than me, Glenn, as a millennial. Uh, the Gen Zs, you would expect to be pretty low. The average 401k IRA account is $5,400. So they're, they're off to a good start, I think, the, the Gen Z trying to get saving. You know, it's not like they're living, mm-hmm. that's not paycheck to paycheck numbers for Gen Zers, putting away a good amount of money in their early years. Right. Pretty good. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right, Walter. I mean, and, and of course, there's, you know, the, they're only looking at account holders of that generation, right? So, right. you know, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's quite a few uh, Generation Z that, that, that haven't started, you know, that process yet. And obviously, you think about you when you, the younger you go, you start thinking more and more about, you know, 
you know, student loan debt and all the different things there and whatnot. But it's, you know, it's good to see that there, there are some that are getting started. You know, it, it's never, it's never too soon to get, get going on that retirement savings for sure. Yeah, it's a great point. So uh, then we have the millennials as our next generation, and the millennials are at uh, forty-eight thousand, about forty-eight thousand, uh, in these fidelity accounts saved between the four hundred one ks and the IRAs for each individual person. I guess the millennials are kind of in an interesting spot because really we're in the the wheelhouse of what being in some cases forty years old now. Some millennials, depending on some definitions, so well within their working and saving years but maybe as young as they're still like early to mid 20s again depending on kind of what age bracket you're defining as a millennial. So that makes sense that might that might be dragged down a little bit lower by the younger millennials and not a little bit higher. That that does kind of shock me a little bit is maybe slightly lower than we would maybe expect. I don't know. Right. Well, and you know, I mean you, you see different articles and different data that come out about the millennials and you know, I mean, like you say it kind of depends upon the definition of when you're, you know, how old they are and, and this and that. But in general, there's a lot of distrust in the market and, you know, and, and the economy and, and this and that when you when you read through, you know, the, you know, how millennials feel about things. And so, you know, to some extent, they, you know, they, they may be saving in other vehicles or like you say, they, they may not be saving at all. And, and, and what we really need to do is, is, you know, as a as a society is really emphasize how much it's going to be important for them, because, you know, as, as we all know, you know, I mean, as society expands and grows and population grows, there's always, you know, the, the, the changes that, that come about. Well, you know, one of the big, th- big things we think about in retirement years is, you know, is, is Social Security. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm not one of those doomsdayers that say that Social Security is going to go away. But what I do think is, is that Social Security is going to continue to do what it's done over, over the generations and over the decades is uh, it's going to continue to evolve, right? And it's going to, you know, be be different. You know, it's going to have some different rules and, and different things that are going to be there. But certainly, um, you know, it, it's never, it's not going to be, uh, you know, the only, the only place to be looking for retirement income, particularly for the millennial generation. So, yeah, really, really it, it, you know, I can't encourage them enough to, you know, to really, to really get going. And if they are already going, you know, in individual situations, great. But otherwise, you know, it's like you got to really start thinking about it because, you know, the younger you start, you know, you can start using, you know, your compounding interest and all the all the principles that we know of as, you know, of letting things build over time. And, and the and the longer you wait, the less time you have for it to grow. That's a great point. And um, I think it's interesting. I never knew that millennials were known as Gen Y. I had no idea we were Gen Y, Glenn, but uh, apparently that's uh, millennial has been such a dominant term. I never realized. I guess it makes sense because we have the X, Y and the Z. (laughs) I never picked up on the (laughs) fact we were the Y in between. But I did always wonder why they went X, millennial, Z. And why they skipped the why? I just it's it's a silent why in the millennials. Uh, well, category. you know, and it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I mean, what comes after Generation Z? Right? You know, I mean, yeah. it's like you're have to pick something else other than the alphabet, right? Actually, um, I have heard. Uh, let's see, what's after Gen Z? Uh, it's like Alpha, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, Alpha, which is the, so they're starting over essentially, and they're going to go Greek alphabet. So, okay. anybody born after 2010, it looks like, is Gen Alpha. All right. Yes. And they've been labeled already by Business Insider as the most transformative age group ever. Is that not the most 
ridiculous statement you've ever heard? Isn't every well, generation going know, to be the most transformative age group ever? <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, you, it's it's up there. You know, you, it's hard to just pick out one that says it's the most yeah. ridiculous ever. But it's it's um, these you know, two year olds will transform the world. Time, for sure. <laughs> these two year olds are going to transform the world one day, Glenn. Yeah. Amazing. Well, they will. But you know, I, I think we need a little bit more data. But you know, beyond mm. two years old, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. So so have other generations before them, but. In any event. All right, let's get to Gen X, because Gen Xers are folks between, again, kind of uh, bracketed age range here, 1965 to 1979 or 1980, just to make it an easy number. So those are the folks that are between 41 and 55 years old approximately right now as of uh, 2020. This is 82 million people in the United States, Glenn, and they aren't uh, retiring quite yet, but they're going to be that next big group that gets to retirement. So a lot of people are starting to kind of look at what they've got saved and how those savings currently are looking for folks like that. And the Gen X is looking at an average of 174000 saved in these Fidelity 401k and IRA accounts. For somebody who is starting to get a little bit closer to retirement, getting into their, you know, certainly the 40s have plenty more time to save, but as you, you know, that does include some people that are in their 50s. Is that sure. kind of on track number for a lot of people from what you've been able to experience in your meetings with folks? Well, again, yeah, I mean, Walter, I mean, the, the obviously the key is, is, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily how much you have saved. It's, you know, it, it's how much have you saved and in relative terms to what are you going to need? You know, I mean, different people live at different lifestyles and they have different wants and desires and, you know, and, and all those types of things. But, um, you know, it, you know, when you start, you know, building, you know, a bit there, I mean, they've, they, you know, if you're 40, 45, you know, maybe 50 and, you, you know, you still got, you know, maybe 15, 20 years or, or longer to go. That's a reasonable number, you know, for a lot of folks. The one key question that I think that the folks that are in that scenario need to start thinking about, though, is is that, you know, how much of that savings is pre-tax in the traditional IRAs or traditional 401ks and how much is Roth? You know, are there other savings vehicles that they're using and what's going to be the tax treatment for those? Because as we've talked about in, in a number of a number of uh, previous shows, you know, we we have to think in terms of how much money are you going to actually get to keep and use, and you know, where do you think tax rates are going to go into the future? And if you are you know tucking money away, you know, pre-tax, you know, obviously you get the you get the tax deduction today. Yet at the same time, it's not a tax-free scenario. It, what it is, it's a tax postponement or a tax deferral. And you have to obviously ask yourself the question to, in, in that is, is that, well, what are you postponing to? And if you believe that tax rates are likely to be higher in the future, then you really start thinking about, hmm, am, you know, am I saving in the right place? Um, you know, uh, is there some tax planning that I can start to look at? Are there are there some vehicles that are that are a little bit um, you know more advantageous than others? And you know, and, and what's the right mix? Because I mean, you know, everybody, you know, it, you know, unless there's a major major overhaul of the tax code that we've never seen, you know, in, in our lifetimes anyway, until unless they do away with um, you know either itemized and standard deductions then there's going to be some amount of money that you're going to have as income that gets deducted off. And so, you know, it doesn't make sense to necessarily move everything to tax free. But at the same time, you got to make sure that you're you're saving the right amounts into the right type of an account so that, you know, when you're putting money away, that you know that it's it's going to be efficient rather than, you know, putting, you know, saving money. I mean, the more and more if you save too much in that tax deferred bucket, you could end up with a 
very big piece of it, you know, actually being safe for the, you know, for the government in the form of taxes. And I know nobody's not really wanting to do that, not intentionally anyway, but sometimes, you know, it, it happens by, you know, by just, you know, just not, not paying attention to those details and maybe you didn't know about it. So I want to ring the bell as loud as I can, you know, when you start getting into, you know, several hundred thousand dollars of being saved and then you look at your age and what are your other resources and, you know, and, and, and all that type of thing. We, you know, one of the big pieces that we've got to think about is, is taxation and retirement. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we've hit that bell, you know, really loud and hard for a, for a long time, Walter, but it's an important thing for folks who are, who are younger to really be thinking about because, you know, as, as they compound those dollars, we, you know, they want to make sure that they're, that they're saving, you know, for themselves and the people they care about and not putting excess money away for, you know, for the government in the form of taxes. All great points, Glenn. And let's get to our final age group. And these folks are in the wheelhouse of retirement right now between that 56 and 76-year-old range. And I'm also going to throw out the stat for the silent generation that follows the baby boomers as well. 76 million baby boomers in the United States right now. So many retiring each and every day at this point. Baby boomers have saved in this Fidelity study, uh, again, of only Fidelity-related uh, 401k and IRA balances. But baby boomers are at $357,000 in terms of their average. And I'll just throw the silent generation in there, which is uh, anybody before about 1944. Uh, they're a little higher, $403,000 saved in those similar type of accounts. So baby boomers certainly well above that overall average uh, that we talked about at the very beginning of the show of 215, Glenn. And how does that compare uh, just kind of on a you know general basis with a lot of the clients that you meet with? Well, Walter, I mean, you know, I mean, it's kind of in line. I mean, we we have, you know, we have clients certainly that have, you know, have you know, significantly more than that. We've got clients that have somewhat less than that, you know, and, and things that are in between. But, you know, it, it's, you know, again, it, it's, you know, how much have you saved? And, 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 and it needs to be in relative terms and in relation to how much are you going to need, right? Um, you know, again, are, are, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, why are you saving for retirement? You know, typically you're saving for retirement to be able to produce, you know, additional income and additional income streams. And so, you know, I, you know, I meet with folks, you know, that, that are, that are baby boomers and, you know, like the, you know, the silent generation or, or, you know, what the, you know, Tom Bro called the greatest generation, right? When, you know, when you, when you're going through those scenarios, there are still some folks that have pensions, right? And if you have pension income, then that throws a, a totally different mix into how much you might need and particularly how much you might need or want to have in any particular type of an account. Um, you know, and as we were just like we were just talking about before, you know, the, the tax deferred or the, you know, or, or the or the tax advantage, you know, are you putting it away pre-tax or after tax? And, you know, the amount of money that you have set, you know, set aside, you know, is, is you know, is largely particularly if it's if it's going into an, an IRA or an individual retirement account or a 401k. Obviously, those are those are retirement accounts that are deferred wages. Right. I mean, you're, you're putting money away you know, from your current earnings for income later on in life. And so, you know, that those are those accounts are designed to be income. And so you've got to think in terms of, okay, well, when you think of income, you think of income tax, right? And so it's, you know, we, we want to make sure that when you're in retirement that, you know, that you have efficient control over that. And, and, it's, and it's kind of an interesting thing is when you move into retirement, you have a little bit more control over your tax situation, or at least potentially, than you might if you, you know during your working years. Because when you're working years, I mean, no matter what you do, your earnings and your wages, I mean, all those things are going to be treated as ordinary income. You know, you know, end of end of story. I mean, that's just the way that it is. 
But, you know, when, you know, when you move into the retirement years and you have money in different types of accounts, well, when you're pulling money out of accounts, then, you know, they're, you know, depending upon what, what account and how much are you pulling out, there's going to be different tax treatments, you know, to that. And, and so when you start thinking about that strategically, it becomes very important to understand not only how much have you saved, but where have you saved it? You know, do you have money in the, you know, what we would call the taxable bucket, you know, the, the tax deferred bucket or the tax free bucket? And if, you know, if you don't understand the differences between those, you know, that's something that, that probably, you know, would, would merit a, you know, a, a consultation or, or, you know, at least a, you know, a, a telephone call to, you know, to really begin to, to understand, you know, okay, well, what, what is, what is, what is Glenn really talking about? And what does he mean by, you know, you know, saving into these different tax buckets? And in essence, it's kind of a, it's a way of thinking about diversification. It's just tax diversification rather than, you know, asset class diversification, which is what where most people think about, you know, when, when, when the word diversification comes out, they think about, okay, well, what do I own inside of my account? And is it diversified? Well, you know, we also have to think about the account itself. Is it taxed? You know, are you tax diversified? And um, that, that's a new concept for a lot of folks, but it becomes very, very important when we start thinking about income planning for retirement, you know, and, and you know, and how much money are you going to get to keep and, and it's going to go to your loved ones versus, you know, the, the money that's going to end up going to the government. Well, Glenn, let's talk a little bit about, I know we were dealing with kind of stats and figures here, but let's talk a little bit about emotions. If somebody is feeling that, man, I feel like I'm really behind the savings pace that they've outlined on this show today, you know, what, what should that person do? What should they do if they feel like they're a, a, a behind that savings pace? And on the flip side, what if somebody's way ahead of that savings pace and, and they're feeling like, oh, well, maybe I need to take my foot off the pedal and enjoy, you know, the fruits of this la- my labor more in the present rather than worrying about the future since I'm, you know, so far ahead of where most folks are? Right. Well, I mean, what I would say is, is Walter, I mean, you, you know, you, you don't want to assume, right? I mean, you know, you, everybody knows what happens, you know, when you assume. But you know you 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 want to you want to you know, think about it and and not only think about it but but you know you know probably you know it would be a wise thing to have a conversation if you don't already have a you know an advisor that specializes in retirement and retirement income and and living in the retirement years it's probably a good idea to, to you know to start a conversation there you know and and just see you know hey you know and just lay out your whole situation it's like okay well. You know, I'm planning to retire, you know, at this age and that's this many years away. And my spouse is in this situation and we have this much saved and they're saved in these types of accounts. And and we've and this is what our Social Security, you know, um, reports look like. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's a pension, maybe there's not, maybe there's multiple pensions. Do you have other money that's saved? Are you expecting an inheritance? you know, or, you know, or in those kinds of things, all of that's going to go into the mix. And so, you know, when you start thinking about, well, you know, have I saved, you know, too much or not enough, or, you know, am I on, on the right pace? Well, you know, again, you, it's a very easy thing to start measuring yourself against, you know, colleagues and friends and family members and so forth. But everybody's in a little bit different situation and everybody certainly has different desires and goals and, you know, and concerns. So it's, it's really important to understand that, you know, it should be relative to you and what your objectives are and what you're wanting to accomplish and achieve and what you want your life to be like rather than, you know, and, you know, in relation to, you know, other people, you know, and, you know, like I say, family members, colleagues, you know, folks that you go to work with and all that kind of stuff. Does that make sense, Walter? It does make sense, Glenn. And uh, I think it's helpful to cover things like this on today's show because it can calm people's fears. Or again, if you assume you're in good shape and take your foot off the pedal, that could be a mistake in itself as well. So 
We don't want to make sure uh, we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. I think this is all just a good example, Glenn, and you've kind of hit on this a couple of times on the show already that, you know, this isn't the entire retirement picture. And so just always keep that in perspective. If you're behind in one area of your retirement planning or savings, well, remember to look at the full picture. You may not have as much in your 401k as someone else does, but maybe they don't have a pension and you do. And that would be that would that totally changes the entire picture. And that's kind of what I'm coming away with from what you're talking about on today's show. Well, no, you're right, Walter. I mean, of course, there's other pieces of that puzzle, too. It's like, you know, you start thinking about, OK, do you, do you have a mortgage? You know, how soon will it be paid off? Have you paid it off? Are you planning to pay it off? Are you going to, you know, are you going, you know, thinking about moving, you know, and, you know, will you have another mortgage? It's like when you start thinking about, you know, well, how much do I need to have saved? You also need to think about, well, how much cash flow is, is necessary, right? I mean, you, you talk to somebody who's still paying a mortgage and, you know, they might have, you know, anywhere from a thousand to two thousand or possibly more dollars that's going out every month, you know, for a mortgage. But as somebody who doesn't have that scenario, you know, then, then they don't have that. Well, I mean, that's a big difference in terms of cash flow and, and how much money needs to be set aside in most cases. Does that make sense? It does, Glenn. And I appreciate the help on today's show. Hopefully this has been great information for people to kind of get a comparison of where other folks are. Again, it's not meant to cause panic if you're behind or necessarily, you know, celebrate your victory if you are way above any of the averages that we've talked about. Always put it in perspective of your full financial plan. But it is helpful to kind of see where other people are on the spectrum of saving for retirement in certain accounts. And uh, I thought I found it to be interesting and educational. If you need some help when it comes to planning for your own financial future and retirement, if you need that help of putting these numbers into context of saying, okay, here's what's in my 401k or my IRA. Yes, I'm on track or not on track compared to these other numbers, but how does my full picture look? Well, that's what Glenn does each and every day in the office, helping people put it all into perspective. So if you want to get some help and get your own financial plan, go to greensbororetirement.com and click on the free consultation button at the bottom of the page. All you have to do, again, is go to greensbororetirement.com and click on free consultation at the bottom of the page, and you can schedule a time to meet right there on your smartphone or computer. You can also call 336-291-3535. Again, that's 336-291-3535. Glenn, thank you for all the help today, and we'll look forward to chatting again soon. All right, Walter. Take care now. We appreciate it. That's Glenn Mosseller. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. <laughs> 